Hey, this is Maya. And I'm Stephanie. And you're listening to The What Project. Where you'll hear inspiring stories of hope. Hey everyone, welcome back to The What Project. We are so glad that you're joining us again. I'm really excited for this episode, like every episode I'm excited for. This episode, we have our friends Nick and Nancy. Hello, guys. Hi. Hello. (laughs) So, you guys, I have a fun question for you. Okay. What is your favorite kind of chip? (laughs) Wow. I'm so glad you asked that. (laughs) Well, I'm the chip eater. I eat all sorts of chips, but Nick's more of the health health nut over here, so it's not really... Usually, I'm discouraging from buying chips. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What is your favorite chip then? No mm, chips. Guess you can guess you guess what my favorite chip is. I'm probably a little more tough to guess since he's probably more like a sun chip guy because those are like the healthier chips. So I would say yeah, <laughs> the healthier chips out there is his favorite. Sun like, chips are good. It's like the newlywed game. Yes. <laughs> is this your favorite kind well, of chip? I do like sun chips, but I would definitely say you're off on that. Um, I Probably <laughs> Doritos or else the Lay's barbecue has got to be. I'm shocked. I've never even seen you eat those. So I don't even. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> and we've been married two years. <laughs> <You've been hoping. laughs> we all learned something new tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you what her favorite chip is. What? What's that? Her favorite type of chip is definitely got to be dill pickle or else these spicy Cheetos, the extra spicy ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's got some spice. <laughs> like the flaming hot things. ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Maya, how about you? Oh, our favorite chip. That's really hard. So I'm kind of like, I go in waves where I'll have my favorite chip flavor and I eat that chip flavor every chance I get and then I'm over it and I pick a new one. So what's your chip flavor now? I would just say probably like a French onion right now. Mm. Yeah. And I have to say probably the French onion sun chip is probably my go-to. We should go get chips together. Let's do that. (laughs) Chip break. (laughs) All right. Well, guys, thanks for coming. We are really excited. Let's just jump right into this. Uh, Nick, share, how did you meet Jesus? What is your God story? Yeah, well, thanks for asking. Well, I was very fortunate to have the opportunity to grow up in a in a household where my family believed in Jesus as Christians, and like the culture was very, very um, like they took it seriously, and they actually raised us up to you know know God and who He was and what it meant to have a walk with God, which I was really blessed with. Um, One thing that was hard about that is I feel like the I kind of got into a lot of like the do's and the don'ts like oh you shouldn't do this or shouldn't do that or don't watch that movie you don't listen to that song or those kind of a things and I wasn't really sure what it meant to like walk like daily with God it was more of just like hey being a Christian is just about performing not about actually abiding yeah, so you, you kind of understood the rules of the faith, but you didn't necessarily have Pretty a personal business. relationship. Yeah, like I kind of felt like a lot of value as long as I was living the way that my parents wanted me to live or else what, you know, I thought that was what, what made me like God happy with me. I didn't realize that like 
that, um, you know, God isn't impressed with our works. He doesn't really think about, wow, that person, he does that and doesn't do that. And man, that is just great. You know, like, I mean, he does, he wants us to obey, but if it's for the wrong reasons, it doesn't really mean anything. Like that's what it talks about in Romans. I actually just taught a lesson on this. The idea that God looks at your heart. So if you're just, you know, choosing to live a life of purity because someone else told you to, but on the inside, your thoughts are terrible and you don't have a pure desire, that doesn't actually make you pure. Mm -hmm. But if you, on the inside, your heart wants to live purely and you're pursuing God and, you know, having those boundaries because you want that purity, that makes you pure. Yeah. Yeah. I think Jesus actually talks a lot about um, the Pharisees and he used the example of whitewashed tombs. I know in Matthew or John, I think that he's saying that like the, the tombs were actually, you know, full of dead, rotting decay on the inside, but they would wash them with white, I don't know, paint or some kind of a white colored, like, paint product or stain that would make it look like it was clean, but really on the inside it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of learning to examine your heart some. So was there a point in time where you kind of decided that you wanted to have a relationship with God? Yeah. Well, I'm not really sure like exactly at what age I actually truly understood the gospel and really fully committed myself. Cause I think I kind of definitely coasted off just to the culture of Christianity for pretty much all my like elementary and even high school years. Like I was just doing it because my, it was the thing to do because of my family thought it was the right thing. And, and I went to church every week, but I don't really know if I really believed in my heart, like on my own, like one thing, like I really got into just, like I said, kind of just the performance things, but then I would secretly have a lot of struggle with sin. I wasn't sharing with anybody and I wasn't really trying to get out of it. I really struggled a lot with my purity growing up through like middle school and everything like that. And just was in a really dark place for quite some time. And it took me probably I'm trying to think of when I really had a big change. And I think the biggest change that I saw was when I just graduated high school, I actually had a friend of mine who shared some struggles with like pornography and different like sins that they were struggling with. And that's when that person opened up to actually share with me. I've never heard somebody would ever share something like that. I was like, oh, wow, like this is amazing. Somebody actually would confess something like that or would say like that is most people would think that's weird or thought that you're really, a, you know, that why would you ever say something like that? Or, you know, and so I was just really encouraged by that. And that actually led me to confess. And the Bible says, if you confess your sins, that he's faithful and just and will free you from the sin and cleanses of all unrighteousness. And I feel like I started confessing my sin, not only to that person, but then also to um, some spiritual mentors of mine. I just started sharing that these struggles and all of a sudden God just totally got a hold of my heart and I started living for him and actually wanting to pursue him. I just totally broke down and like, I remember I was like crying stuff and, and I was just remembering like that, I just felt that freedom of like that weight was lifted off when I was able to confess what was really going on in my heart. So I think that was definitely like the big turning point. Yeah. So you kind of knew that sin was there in a sense when you were younger, but until you actually saw it as sin, you didn't see a change. Yeah, I think I just knew it was wrong and I felt a lot of condemnation and I didn't know how to get freed from it. And I just felt really discouraged and 
And then eventually I just got into really bad habits and just started to not care about it as much. And then I think it was more just the Holy Spirit convicting me that this is wrong and that like I want to live for God. And it wasn't just in that. It was just about like who I was, my identity. It wasn't just like, you know, purity stuff. It was just like, my whole self. Like if when I was growing up in high school, if somebody asked you, hey, why are you a Christian or why do you do that? I wouldn't know what to say or I wouldn't know why I was or anything at all. So that was one thing that really kind of spiked a lot of um, desire was was right around that time. And then I was um, very active in sports and I actually got a scholarship to play football and went to college. And that was also a huge growing time for me is so I was starting to really like actually read my Bible for the first time. Like I would read it when I was a kid a little bit, but like it was just really hard for me to to like be disciplined, actually read it and try to understand what it was saying. And I, so I started reading it in college and I started like having some doubts about some stuff and just started doing some research and learning about different religions and learned that like, that like, how do I know like what my parents taught me or what my church was teaching was actually the truth. You know, the Islam, they believe that they're right. And, you know, atheists think they're right. And like all these people say they're, they're right, but like, what is the truth? What is it? So you just had to go and look at, and evaluate all the different faiths and all the different religions out there and really did a lot of research so i started reading a lot of books reading the bible and it was pretty clear to me that obviously that um, i'm christian now that the god's word is the absolute truth and the absolute standard of where we get everything from you know all our laws in our country are based off of god's morality like everything comes from god basically yeah, it really permeates our culture in a way that our culture does not recognize. Mm-hmm. Like even time, I think about this, like our whole scale of time goes off one person's death. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Like everything. And even when they try to change, like I think it, they add an E. It's like BCE if it's like Before the secular. era. Yeah, but the dates are all the same. How profound is that? Yeah. There's no one else in history that can say that, mm-hmm. that all of time is based off their death. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. It's true. And yeah, a lot of the moral standards that we've held and hold naturally. Yeah. Yeah, they come yeah. from God. Yeah, and I think there's just so many people nowadays too. Like there's a lot of, like if you wouldn't ask people probably down the street here, you know, who is Jesus or what does he mean to you? Like people would know a lot about him, but they don't actually know him. And I don't know if a lot of Americans really understand or they really read the Bible, like she'd sit down and read what Jesus said. He's pretty polarizing. He he doesn't just say, follow me when it's easy, follow me when you feel like it, follow me because it's trendy. He says, you know, pick up your cross, which at that time meant, you know, be willing to be be killed for what you believe, you know, and to get people to actually take it on that level, like it's a whole different thing than just kind of walking through the motions. So like, if that was one thing is for me, it was just like, God, God hold my heart. He just convicted me of just being kind of, kind of half in half out and just said, Hey, you got to either, you got to live for me or, or not. Like, I didn't want to be like, just kind of a, a wishy-washy person to kind of put half in half out kind of a thing. Yeah. So you said that like in high school, when someone asked you if you were a Christian or what that meant, you didn't really have an answer for them. So what would you say now if someone came up to you and said, 
are you a Christian and what does that mean? Yeah, I'd say, yeah, absolutely. Like I know that there's a God and that he is evident from creation. Somebody had to create everything, right? So, and I evaluated like all the different um, religions out there and like started reading about what Jesus said. It was, it's, it's obvious that Jesus existed. There's no doubt about it. You just said like the timeline and it comes down to like, you know, who was he? Like it's, you can't just say he did, didn't exist and he claimed to be God. So I just, more like the evidence of the facts pointed me to that. But then it was also the spirit helped me to really see it and fully commit and believe. So it was more of like God changed my heart and he showed me that this is the right way through his word and just through the spirit. You definitely had, you know, this time where you confessed your sin and you saw that sin for what it was and you brought that before God. And then he also kind of asked you, like, do you believe in me? And through your research and, you know, thinking that through, you came to the conclusion that, yes, you do believe in God and in Jesus. So those are kind of two pieces of the gospel. How would you share with someone how they could have that relationship with Christ? Oh, yeah, great question. So I actually, this is a little bit of a backstory, but I went to on a few admissions trips with Campus Crusade, or I guess it's called Crew now, and they actually taught us like how to share with somebody like four basic points, like what you need to know to become a Christian. And the first one is that there is a God and that he loves you. That's the main point is like there is a God, like I was saying like earlier, like there's like our creation shows that there's a higher power. And the next one is that everybody falls short. You know, everybody sins. Like sin is basically what sin is, is anything that disobeys God's commands or another way you could interpret it is anything that breaks God's heart is he knows what's best for us. If he knows what's off limits, like he knew that the fruit was going to lead to death for Adam and Eve and they, but they didn't see that God knew the whole time that that was going to be bad for them. And they just went for it anyway. So sin is anything that disobeys God, even if we don't understand it. Um, and then the next one is we need to have somebody pay for that sin. So like God is holy and that you know, he's just and he can't have any kind of sinners in heaven. He can't have anybody who's, you know, lied or stolen or looked at lust or whatever. All the Ten Commandments, like all those things, we've all fallen short. So we're all basically guilty before him. So nobody could be with God, but he made a way. He made a way that... You know, he sent his son down to live the perfect life so that we don't have to. And he paid that, you know, that penalty for that sin through the death on the cross, through his blood. And so just that we believe and just accept his free gift, that's that's the fourth point is just believe and accept and repent, you know, and or just turn to him and, and have him. And he'll change your life you know, if you really, if you really, really want to follow him. So as part of your story, you kind of pointed out that you kind of struggled through your middle school and high school years and you had sin that you were kind of comfortable with, but then there was also a point in time where you got convicted about it and changed. When you compare those two lifestyles, do you see a difference just in your joy and, you know, just your countenance when you had those sins that you were comfortable with and lived versus now when you're kind of fighting those things? Yeah. So definitely um, it feels like I don't have 
any weight on my shoulders. Like it's almost like before I was trying to run the Christian, like be a Christian on my own efforts by like, just, you know, work harder. Like I'm like, I'm really, I'm like a billion really to like lifting weights. Just I used to be, I still am a little bit, but, and like, I'm just like, Oh, if you want to get something, you just got to work hard. You know, it's got to push, put your, push yourself, whether it be, you know, in fitness or in um, business or whatever, just work harder. And like, I think like, that was always the thing is just got to try my own efforts. But then what happened was is pretty soon it's, it's like you just get so dragged down and you just can't live the way that God wants you to live by yourself. So like, so definitely doing it, it felt like a lot of it was duty. Like, oh, I got to go to church or, oh, got to do this or, um, you know, and then after that transformation is more like, hey, I get to do this or, hey, this is, this is actually good for me. This is going to be exciting. Like I need to. You know, it's just like a different perspective. And I don't know like how I could even tell or help somebody get to that point other than just prayer and just asking God to just fill you with the spirit. Because I don't, that's really what it was. It's just like a change, like a heart change mm-hmm. more. And it's more, definitely see a lot more joy, a lot of the fruits of the spirit, you know, joy, patience, um, kindness, and, you know, faithfulness and self-control. Those are all like things that really produced fruit out of that transformation. So being a young person during this time where I would say Christianity is pretty unpopular (laughs) culturally, and there's just a lot of pressure, I feel like, to change. You're kind of told continuously that following the Bible means that you're mean to others or that you don't care about people. Uh, how do you handle that? I think for me, like one one big thing that that I do to like not get discouraged when I see like our culture shifting so much is just realizing that like, hey, like God's got this. Like, you know, Satan wants to win the the battles. He just he's trying to win as many people over to uh, the worldly way and to follow him as much as he possibly can and it may seem like he's winning like right now, like in just like the way our culture has been going and, and how much anger and bitterness there is towards um, people who, who do believe what God says, who he is and what he says in his word. There's a lot of anger and bitterness towards that. Like, but just realizing that like God is in control and like he is sovereign and that, you know, he even warns us this is going to happen. Like he says in the end times, like before I return, like, you know, the people, there's going to, people are going to be be very wicked and people are going to be turning away from God and they want to just pursue, you know, their own desires, you know, whatever it is, like just their own idolatry and just, you know, coming with their own worldview that fits what they want or what the culture says. And so just not getting discouraged on that God's coming back and that he is going to go in and, and conquer, you know, in the end. And that's one thing that like helps me not get discouraged is just kind of pointing to that truth. Yeah, that reminds me of a scripture. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That's mm-hmm. 1 Corinthians one eighteen. Mm-hmm. I feel like that verse runs through my mind a lot. Mm-hmm. Like if you're on social media, I'm like, yeah. God told us all of this stuff was going to happen. And he told me that XYZ was going to think that what I believe is foolish. Like those kind of reactions to my faith actually build it more (laughs) because 
I literally had insight into this before you even said that. <laughs> so it's just cool, like you said, to see. Like when you know God, you see that he's sovereign and you know his plan. And I don't know, I think even with climate change discussion and stuff, like <laughs> as a Christian, number one, I don't get super concerned just because I know like that in the end, God is in control of everything. But I also know that in the end of the story, the earth is destroyed. Mm-hmm. So it's it could possibly be true that our resources at some point will run out. Mm-hmm. But instead of having to feel frantic about that, I feel peace about that because I know that the Lord has that plan. Mm-hmm. And because I have that relationship with God, like ultimately, I'm going to end up in heaven. <laughs> and if there's no more fossil fuels here, it's okay. Because <laughs> I'm not going to be here anyway. You know, so... I want to invite as many people as possible to come with. I want to (laughs) tell them the gospel so that they know. But yeah, it's like God is so much a part of everything that's going on and he's in control of everything. And he truly does hold the answer on all of these issues. Mm -hmm. So we don't need to live in chaos and panic because we can just know the creator and have peace. So you kind of outlined that the end of high school, early college years was when things started to shift for you. Can you fill us in more on what was happening in that point in time and what made you really start to think and do research and read? Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely like a long time span since high school. Now I'm, I'm 20, 27. So it's like, yeah, there's what was going, what was God doing in those like, (laughs) you know, you know, like seven to nine year span. (laughs) One thing that like I remember back in um, that freshman year of college is so I was playing uh, football and I've had a lot of knee injuries in the past. Like I before in high school, I tore my ACL two times in high school and just had a lot of like injuries and stuff. And in college, I was playing and I actually tore my ACL in football practice on like the third week of practice. So I went through the whole summer and did all the training camp stuff, got up super early, lifted weights. <laughs> All to go and tear my ACL and be in my butt for like probably five, six months. So that was my freshman year. And one reason why I had so much time to do all that studying of the Bible I was saying about that was because I didn't really have anything to do. So <laughs> like instead of playing video games or different things, I just said, hey, you know, I'm going to spend time and commit myself to trying to learn and know God better, you know, and make a good use of my time. So, yeah, I was far from home and I was just in a brand new environment. Like I've just got thrown out of the comfort zone living in high school of people I knew in my small town that I I know nobody here. And I couldn't walk to like any of the like um, classes. I had to like get like a ride because I was on crutches (laughs) and it was over almost a mile to to get to the. So I didn't really go out much. I'd stayed at home and would just, you know at my dorm and would just read and different things. And through that, I learned so much. And one thing that I was definitely learning about was in class was we, there was this professor, this is actually a Christian school, um, which it might be hard to believe. The professor at the school was like the way I interpreted it. He was trying to make you question things or doubt things, unless maybe he was just trying to, make you look for the answer, which it worked on me. I wish I just look for the real answer. But like he was talking about like how the story of Jonah was 
just a parable. It wasn't actually a real thing that happened and different things. And he didn't really seem to show any like real strong belief that, hey, the Bible is inherent. There's nothing actually like that's wrong or it's all actually true. What this, these, these things really happen. Like they didn't really believe that. This is this what I was interpreting it as. And that just really bothered me. And I was just like, man, like this guy doesn't even believe it. Why should I believe this stuff? You know, and I was just, that's what made me go back and, and look it up. And I found the verse where Jesus talks about Jonah and how, he was in the belly of the fish. And I was like, well, Jesus said it. It must be true. So that was just like a big thing. It was like, actually, I think I, think I even went over and shared that in class. I don't remember if he even, well, he, he didn't really have anything to say about that. But, but. Have you talked to this professor since? Like, no. So you never did find out if he was no. playing devil's advocate or if he was no, just like. Uh, maybe he was. I don't know. But I, I actually just, I just finished the, the course out. And I don't remember him ever coming around and like saying, hey, I was just messing with you guys or something like that like i i ended up just drop like stopped going at semester i didn't, didn't go go through because i couldn't play anymore i was kind of there to play football to be honest like different things plus the school so, is more expensive but you went to play football and god was like actually you're gonna have a knee injury yeah word. pretty much like no you're not really gonna play football anymore you're gonna just like be my disciple and have knee injury and so i think that it's important to point out, though, that you decided to go back to the right resource. Yeah. Like, you decided, like, well, I'm going to see what the truth is. And you included the truth in your research. Yeah. I think that you have to read scripture if you're going to know God. Yeah, for sure. One thing that stuck with me with my aunt, Kim, actually mentioned to me one time that, like, she used to be my Sunday school teacher. And I was sharing her some things that I was learning or some things that I was doubting or kind of trying to I would challenge different people to see what they would say. And I think they actually liked that because I made them go and research what they're believing and why. And because they were, they weren't acting concerned for me like, Oh man, he's, he's walking away from his faith or something like that. Like they were just more of like, Hey, what does, what does the Bible say about this and different things? And I learned that it actually was okay to question God and okay to question, you know, things of the Bible as long as we look to, the Bible to, to seek it, yeah, and to seek God, and like that, we don't just say, "Oh, that's not possible and true." We say, "Well, how could that be true? What is the context, or what does learn more about that topic?" As long as we're going to Scripture, if we have a hard time understanding something, or why does God say that, or why is He seems like He's being a killjoy? He doesn't want us to have any fun, or He's like, why does it seem like maybe being a Christian is so hard, or it's just like a like it's just a being inconvenience to follow God. And I was really glad there's people who are building me up too that weren't blown away, like shocked that I was even asking a question that they would just get real and just share, like, this is why we believe and this is, we have to make a stance on something. Like this is what, either you're you're in or you're, you're out kind of a kind of a thing. Yeah. Because when you have a relationship with God, it's it's just that it's a relationship. So you have something to back it up. Right. It isn't just like some rules that somebody set out and you're like, oh, I guess I'm going to follow these. I don't know why. Yeah. I think the one thing for me, like, God is not scared of questions. It's mm, good. Yeah. We are taught a lot in um, religion that, oh, you can't ask questions. Don't ask questions. Don't question the faith. Don't question, you know, theology of XYZ church. 
God is not scared of questions. He wants us to ask those questions and wants us to look into the Bible for those questions. Because once we ask them and seek them out, our faith becomes even more stronger. Mm -hmm. Our belief in those things become even more firmer. Mm -hmm. And so ask questions. It's worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And God can stand up to it. It's like we talked about already that Jesus is the base of all of time. Well, even looking at scripture that people can argue about and whatever, but history lays it out really simply. Like what other book can you say there's all these copies of that have been preserved through all this time? Think about how crazy that is, that a book that's as old as it is, is still the number one selling book in the world. Mm. Like what book, no book even comes close. Not at all. You know, or what other book would you say that there have been world leaders who have been their whole life mission mm-hmm. was to destroy it? Mm-hmm. And yet here we are, and we all have copies, probably multiple, you know, and there's people actively translating it. It's like the mm-hmm. most translated yeah, book ever. Yeah, you could be killed for having such a thing. Right. It's like, yeah. you just think it for granted so much that, you know, God's word is like, it's, there's a reason why if it wasn't powerful and it wasn't actually changing lives and doing what it said it would, why were so many people trying to get rid of it and trying to stop it? Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's really interesting. Yeah, right. So yeah, ask those questions and look for the answers and... Yeah, you can find the answers. And God's powerful, like so powerful. He can handle your little like, what about this, God? (laughs) Yeah. Nick, have you ever been baptized? Yeah, I actually have been. I um, wasn't baptized at a young, young age, like probably a lot of people were. Like I know a lot of uh, different churches around here. I don't know if it's just kind of more of a religious thing you should, should do, but they're taught that you know, you should get baptized at when you're an infant, and that is what I don't know if they believe that what makes you go to heaven or not. I'm not sure if that's really what it is, or they just think it's just get to have God's blessing on you. But uh, we didn't practice that, and and uh, I was encouraged to actually get baptized when I was younger. And I'm mean, I think really glad I didn't because I claimed to be a Christian, like I was saying earlier, when I was you know a teenager and in middle school. But I just didn't feel like I wanted to. And I think that maybe it was good that I didn't. I didn't just do it out of the wrong reasons. But after, kind of after I got back from college, I was that was the time where, like I was saying, everything kind of changed. And and I just all of a sudden felt like I should be. Like I should be getting baptized. And it kind of reminds me of in Acts, there is um, an Ethiopian eunuch that comes to faith. And he just was just riding in his chariot with... Philip and all of a sudden just feels like God's telling me should be baptized. They just literally stop and jump out and go get baptized. And that's kind of how I was like doing too. It's like, hey, I want to be called to do this. I'm not going to say to do it because like I don't know other people want me to do it or because I think it's cool or you know or I just did it because God called me to. And I actually believe that. When I got baptized, I got even stronger in my faith. I think there's actually a lot of evidence out there. Like it doesn't really say in the Bible, if you get baptized, you will be stronger in your faith. It doesn't say that, but the principle of, of being obedient to him and the filling of the Holy Spirit, it actually talks about being baptized of the Spirit. And there's different interpretations of what that actually means. But I believe that when I got baptized, like that was when like the God's power just grew in me a lot more. And I remember just like like living the Christian life just 
for me, it actually got a little bit easier to be a Christian because like I was knew what I believed and why, even though it's not easy at all to be Christian. I'm not saying that, but it's like, it just felt like it wasn't quite as, as much of a challenge as it used to be when I was probably a little younger. Yeah. So like you took your stand, that was you kind of declaring like, I believe in what Jesus did on the cross. I confessed my sins. And I don't like, care what anybody else thinks. Like, this is what yeah. I believe. This is what I'm about. I'm not going to try to just be ashamed of this or like anything. I'm going to stand firm for what for what God did. And I'm going to, you know, tell others if they ask me, I'm not going to shy away or, you know, different things like that. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of the verse that says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God mm-hmm. for everyone who believes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Romans 1, 1, yeah. 6, I think. Yeah. What would you say to those who are wavering in their faith, who are questioning or they're not firm in what they believe? What would you say to them now, now that you are stronger in your faith, you kind of have a more firmer belief in in some of the things the Bible says? What would you say? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think one thing that I would say is for me is just jump in or jump out. Like it's one of those things where I think that, like as a teacher, I actually teach middle school boys at our uh, local church and I have a class and we just read through the Bible. We've been reading through Romans and we've taken a little break you know, for a while. But And I just really encourage them. Like It's actually easier for me as a teacher to actually teach somebody who's just honest and just says, hey, I don't really believe this stuff or else, hey, I do. Like Instead of just trying to put on like a, a show that they do or pretend that they are, I'm going to make you happy by saying they do or kind of just putting on like a just to show that it looks like they believe something, and but they really don't. So I just say, like, just be in or be out. Like, there's a one of my favorite Old Testament stories is back in it's Elijah is when he is in front of all the the people. Like, I remember what people group it was, but it was about the temple of Baal. They were all worshiping Baal, and the the different people were asking him, "Who's your god?" or what. Why should we believe your God? And that we should we're worshiping Baal over here. And he said, he told people like, "Hey, don't be like, don't be on the fence. Like, stop just being on the fence. Sometimes worshiping Baal and sometimes worshiping God. Pick and choose. You know who who you follow, who you worship." Yes. And then he went and um, did the test where he rained down the fire on the wet pile of wood. And it's just one of the coolest Old Testament stories. You'll have to look it up. But I just say, yeah, just figure out like where where you stand, and then after that, like just you know, ask God to to strengthen you, give you direction and and strength, because yeah, just to have that conviction of like, hey, this is what this is what the Bible says. This is Jesus, who Jesus says he is. He says some pretty pretty wild things. Like if you should read the Bible, like God says, you know, he needs to be first before your before your family. You need to be first before your spouse. He wants to be first in your life. And he doesn't want to have to share the number one spot with other idols or other things. And an idol isn't just a thing that you hold up and worship. And it's it's actually where your heart is drawn to. Like whenever you desire something, it could be money, it could be your career, it could be sports or whatever. You know, anything could be an idol. And and I just say, like, you know, put God first and and yield yourself to God and have him be the number one spot and just ask him, you know, just ask him to be the Lord of my of your life and then just repent. You know, he, he will go on that throne and he will start changing you. It won't just happen instantly. Like for me, it was a pretty drastic change in a matter of just like only a couple months. But some people, it takes like a lifetime, you know, to 
they see that. And some people, it doesn't take long at all. It's like, yep, just one day I just decided I'm going to be 100% committed, you know, and into God and other people. It doesn't happen immediately like that. So that was kind of how I would I'd answer. And then just, you know, get get help. You need to get accountability, get discipleship, start reading the word. If you don't understand the word, if you don't understand what like the Bible or what it's saying, find a uh, a Bible study or try to find somebody a little older that knows more about God and, and is a little bit farther along in their faith. It doesn't necessarily mean to be older than you, but just somebody who's older in their faith journey and have them point you to how you can actually start walking with Jesus and what that actually looks like. Have you enjoyed this episode? If so, check out our next episode as Nancy shares her God story on The What Project.